My name is Patch. I can't tell you my last name. I can't tell you where I live. But I can tell you that this is The Axe Files, a show where a handful of weirdos talk about every single Animorphs book in order. And I'm joined, as always, by the most wanted criminal this side of the Light homeworld. It's Vivian. How are you today, Vivian? i doing alright, I think. Uh, kind of took the two feeling dinner yesterday, but it doesn't hurt at least. Uh, hopefully, Ooh. yeah, hopefully I can get that checked out, because... My job offer, uh, that doesn't actually start tomorrow, because they're waiting on the background check and drug screening still, so yeah. I'm, I'm going to basically call around first thing in the morning tomorrow on Monday, see if I can get somebody to look at it as an emergency. Yeah, let's... Oof. Yeah. At I'm, least you got the job to get the dental insurance thing going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I haven't, I haven't been to the dentist in, like, four years between a combination of no insurance after, like... Crappy job at Pet Boys, of all things. I had insurance there and nowhere else since. And also because <laughs> of the pandemic. So, yeah. All right. Then. Well, we are also joined today by the most elegant strain on Earth. It's Kate. Hey, I'm tired because work is hard. This <laughs> <laughs> might be kind of a chill, low energy, uh, sort of, um, you know... We- weird vibe today, considering the 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 sort of level of stress that people are under at the time at the moment. But um, I mean, based on my readings today, it was going to be chill anyway. So yeah, <laughs> it's weird because this is a this is a weird book. It, it is really, a, really is. This is, it is. This is. It is. Yeah. It's 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 hard to find anything character driven to latch onto. It's very creature feature action movie type. You know, like it's oh, very yes. wonderfully plot, plot driven <laughs> and not and not character driven. But that's fine. I mean, it'd be hard to do a character driven story when you have six different narrators telling it. Yeah. It is just constantly weird how it's always like, and this chapter is what just happened, but from a slightly different perspective, but you're still going to see like 70% of the same stuff. Mm -hmm. It's so weird. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm guessing the Megamorphs books are not really, like, they're not like the books that people really like as much, I would guess. Um, that's probably people... reasonable to say, but I feel like, especially the second Magmorphs book, people adore. Uh, yeah, that one's good. You said that's the dinosaur one, right? <laughs> I believe um, so. That's what I'm thinking of. The title of the second Megamorphs book is Megamorphs 2 in the Time of Dinosaurs, yes. Which again, it's like, well, yeah, if you want to introduce like them going back in time and getting dinosaur morphs, sure, why the fuck not? <laughs> <laughs> not that they can really use that for a lot of purposes in the real world necessarily honestly Megamorphs 3 was always the one that stood out to me it's a little bit more disjointed than this one just because of the nature of that specific plot but who mm -hmm. really and how long till we get to Legoland again <laughs> uh, that's book 26 so Jeez. I think after yeah, yeah, like, I don't remember. At least, at least like two, two years. No, okay. <laughs> I don't remember when Megamorphs three comes in. It's definitely after the Andalite Chronicles, um, and definitely after the Asshole Trilogy. Uh, no, the Megamorphs what? three Sorry. is number twenty nine and a half. What's the Asshole Trilogy? Okay. 
don't worry uh, about it. Don't worry about it. Well, you'll know. You'll see. You'll know it when we That's get to it. That's the book where we get confirmation that I like to eat with their butts. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, if you're not gonna tell me what the asshole trilogy is, and even just like it's a reasonable reason, I can only assume. Yeah, because as established, my head can is that uh, that Andalites must eat with their butts. It's about an asshole. Exactly. Just, just a big, a big yeah. seeping asshole. Nothing I'm being told is dissuading me from what I believe to be the truth. Does Andalites, uh, you know, eat with a different orifice? Yeah. Thank, thankfully, thankfully, next book you're going to be cured of that okay. misconception. I mean, considering the next book is narrated by Axe, yeah, I would, I would have expected yeah. that some point maybe they should be like, hey, he's been here for like three months and we haven't actually figured out if he eats anything? What's up with that? <laughs> maybe we should ask him at minimum. <laughs> yeah, you would think that would be like number one on the priority yeah, list of yeah, we have an like, alien here now. Well, but... like, like once they got him out of the, the sunken dome ship and into the forest, you would think immediately after that being like, wait a sec, Axe, how do you eat? You don't have a mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I, I, I as an Andalite am a much better and more sophisticated being, so I just sit on the ground and my butt takes care of that by eating whatever grass I'm sitting on. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, let's uh, go ahead and get started on this. Shall <laughs> we? This book. Yeah. Alright. Uh, so what did you call chapter 10, Patch? Absolutely. I called chapter 10 the Eternal Sunshine. Um... So this is another Rachel chapter, and she is just wandering around the woods trying to remember who she is, and she's sort of taking stock of the things she does remember, like how to talk and the names of things and what TV shows are, but she doesn't actually know anything about herself except that she is some sort of horrible monster person because she can turn into a half-bird thing, and also that there's a big monster thing that wants to eat her. Um still super miserable out there because again no shoes she's just wandering through the forest barefoot and it's a uh, it's a pine forest so needles but uh <laughs> yeah uh she even remembers the word amnesia she knows what's happening to her she just doesn't know anything else um well it's there's a difference between like i forget what they call it i know i know what R rachel has lost is called autobiographical memory yeah. and it is like stored separately in your brain from other forms of memory. So it's not unreasonable that she would lose access to that mm -hmm. and not to stuff that tells her what words are. No, absolutely. It's just that I guess the way I would describe this is the amnesia that Rachel has here is the amnesia you see in the 1960s Adams Family show. It's entirely comedy amnesia. <laughs> Especially because she got hit on the head and that caused it. Uh huh. <laughs> by, yep. by by the law by the laws of of comedy of nineteen sixties comedy amnesia, she will regain her memory when she gets hit on the head in the same way. There is an episode of that show where Gomez gets hit in the head like fifteen times because some of the family like him better with amnesia and. <laughs> so, so what you're saying it's actually like a real uh like skip versus norm takamori situation <laughs> except, that they're, except that they're not trying to constantly get back to norm they're just like yeah the brain slug is better let's keep the brain slug <laughs> yeah. well yeah, I mean, um, norm is like i am i'm a master of this guy do not fair. Like a thing. <laughs> it's not fair gomez isn't like a terrible person i guess yeah he's not an asshole like norm <laughs> Yeah, so Rachel's wondering until she well, finds just, like, a, a shack out in the woods. 
for some reason. It's it's way, way, way out there. But it's also, what catches her eye is a yellow top from The Limited, which she apparently has sort of a flashback here because uh, shopping is her core memory. That's what starts to bring back part of her. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, this... This top is hanging on a clothesline, so she goes to the cabin, and um, there's a lady there. Um, she first perceives this lady as old, but she isn't old. She's just, like, wearing so many layers of clothing. She's she's an unhoused person who has a house, I guess, is the best way to describe this. It's it's, it's an interesting caricature of a person, but she's, she's very much that sort of bag lady stereotype. She... Yeah. She's a mentally ill woman who lives in the shack in the woods. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Rachel recognizes the exact top she's wearing because Rachel only has two types of thoughts, and they're fashion and rage. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this lady is talking. She's she's a little out of it. She's talking about how if Rachel wants to return something, she'll need a receipt. And she doesn't have that, obviously, but... Uh, she sort of asks what this lady's name is, and she is informed that her name is gone, but it will be back because they don't go away forever, so <laughs> that's wonderful. And then the uh, the lady very aggressively informs her that all of the clothing, because this shack is just filled tip to toe with clothes, is hers. People throw it away, she claims it, and it's hers. Uh, the lady sort of treats this like a store, basically. She's, she's acting out, she's pantomiming being a clerk at a store, and Rachel, quote-unquote, buys some shoes with her with a credit card, which is a stick that she picks up off the ground. (laughs) And they are not matching shoes. They are not. They're roughly the right size. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I I have to actually have a pair for one. I I have to ask this, because I don't no, because I haven't read this book. And also, you have read more of this series than I have, Bash. Did this lady ever come back? Did uh, we see her again outside of this chapter specifically? To my knowledge, she does not ever come back. However, there is something I want to bring up. I, I was kind of saving it until the end of the chapter, but since we're talking about her anyway, um, there are a lot of people in the Animorphs fandom who theorize that this is the lady that they saved in book one. That's the one what who got I thought. Out. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> you know what? That's not entire. That that makes some sense. Although you would think that she would recognize her. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, she saw an elephant. You know. Yeah, like because like no, Cassie, I mean you think one, that Cassie was the one who think that oh, Rachel. Well, because if Rachel her. lost her memories, then. Yeah, oh, that's true. Rachel, yeah, you're right. Rachel wasn't right. that, yeah. But also, yeah, I thought that too, because, like, this lady clearly knows about the Yorks, because, like, from her dialogue, she implies that there was one in her head, but for some reason it's not there anymore. We're not there yet. Well, I, I mean, it's the next sentence. sentence. It's okay. Oh, yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's fine, because it's literally the next sentence after yeah. Rachel finds shoes is this lady hits her in the back and starts screaming Yurk at her as she gets pushed down a hole in the trapdoor. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and this, of course, the, her screaming Yurk gives Rachel a flashback to the Yurk pool, so I guess she does have two thoughts, um, <laughs> but she's, like, begging to get out and banging on the hatch, and she doesn't want to hurt anybody, but, uh, she's in, essentially, a dugout cellar. It's all 
dirt with uh, one wall of logs. But uh, the, the lady insists that Rachel won't hurt her, and she also won't crawl inside her head like she did before, and make her give uh, give her her... I'm just going to read this because it's weird for me to try and change the pronouns here. Uh, crawl inside my head. Make me, make me give you my husband. Make me give him to you. My children. All for you. So, woof. <laughs> yeah, I can see what broke her brain. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's it's bad. Especially um, with like you know if this is the same lady from the very first book and everything that like she's living like at the time she was probably living with the knowledge that like yeah I might have they might have gotten me out but my husband and kids are still screwed. What do I do? Mm-hmm. I can't go back to them because otherwise they're gonna just drag me back in. Either either that or she was freed when they destroyed the Kondrona, and she was one of the Yurks who starved, and yeah. somehow the controller escaped. That's very possible True. as well. yeah. But, to, I mean, just my interpretation of this, but the way she says, make me give you my husband, I don't think she can go back to her family. I think they're Yurked, and I think they would know something yeah, is that, very that, wrong that's, if she did. That's, yeah. what I, that, that's what I meant, yeah. Like, it's like, yeah. Because, like, they would probably know that either she's been missing for, like, months by this point if she did try to go home. Because it's like, mm-hmm. oh, clearly the yerk in their head would be dead one way or another. If there was one, even when they escaped. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Rachel, she recognizes the word yerk, and she knows it's an evil association. And she's beginning to suspect that maybe she's evil if the lady thinks she's a yerk. So, uh-oh. <laughs> And then the chapter ends, and we go to chapter 11, which is a Jake chapter, and <sighs> I'm going to be honest, I don't have a good name for this chapter. This is this is called Marco Gets in Trouble. Uh... <laughs> As Marco is wont to do, except in his own book. <laughs> so Marco and Jake take the bus to the place where the thing attacks the highway, because I guess the bus goes to the highway. Um... <laughs> Well, they say it goes to, like, a gas station nearby. Yeah, a combination <laughs> gas station convenience store just off the highway. But um, that Marco pretty quickly concludes that this is definitely the same thing that attacks Darlene's house based on the damage done. And Jake just starts lecturing him about how he shouldn't have been there. And then Tobias shows up and also starts lecturing him about how he shouldn't have been there. And he sort of makes an implication that he almost ate Marco. But that's mostly, I think, just to freak Marco out. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> imagine Tobias being like uh, that guy's a fucking dipshit I'm gonna find a mouse for lunch just to bring this up just to make him annoyed <laughs> and upset and yep. <laughs> sickened out a bit <laughs> Tim waiting until like 2 in the afternoon to have lunch cause he's like I need a fucking mouse I need to I need to pull one over on this guy <laughs> been flying uh. and starving for 2 hours fuck <laughs> Uh, I would absolutely understand Tobias, like, just bringing the mouse with him and eating it in front of them. <laughs> I know he's not comfortable with that yet, but if he wants to send a message, like... <laughs> it's also a little bit insane that this entire book has basically been, like, the same day. <laughs> it's... I think it's been a couple hours so far. <laughs> yeah, it's not been much time. The only thing that hasn't been in these couple hours is the previous night where Rachel was complaining about having to go to camp. Yeah, yeah, like the first couple chapters. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yes, um, so Axe is also on his way, but he's pretty slow. Uh, Tobias mentions that he hasn't seen anything in the area, no humans. There's this one old lady who lives in a shack out in this area, but Rachel's not here, so don't worry about her. Uh, 
I, I can't believe how often this book is like basically being like Tobias was right near where Rachel was, but Mister Whoopsie Doodle. <laughs> it's been <sighs> twice in like since the last time and this one was because he saw her bonker bird head onto the tree too. Yeah, he sure did. It's gonna happen a couple more times though. So. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> It's it's funny when it's once. You can't do it multiple times in the same book. <laughs> uh, okay. Um. So they have brought some of Rachel's clothes with her because the the plan is they're gonna morph wolves and then sniff her clothes and then use that to try and track her scent because wolves have good sense of smell. Um. I I don't know if they're that good, but they're certainly gonna try it. Uh, Marco makes a dumb joke about Jake looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger when he gets serious, uh, and then they turn into wolves, and Jake describes for the second time this book how gross morphing is. Huzzah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, um, you also can't do morphing as gross muscle times in the same book. <laughs> and then, uh... Jake yeah, can. Yeah, absolutely you can. They will, but it's, it's, it's a bit much when it's like every character gets their POV of morphing is disgusting. <laughs> it's um how do i put this i feel like you can absolutely do it multiple times per book if it is sufficiently different you know what i mean yeah but that is it's not really, really what's not. happening here it's just no. jake going it's gross <laughs> <laughs> like turning into something gross and unique that's fantastic i love the description of turning into something new and different but <laughs> it's, it's it's yeah like they, they, they've not gotten yeah. any new morphs in a while this thing aside from like the bear last we book We've seen it before. I mean, they'll they'll get new morphs every book, but um, except for some of the mega morphs, well, like this one, I think. But it's not every book, but it's pretty frequent. Yeah. Yeah, but um, hmm. it, I think it's fine as long as it's brief enough. And this one is only like two paragraphs, yeah. so it's not that bad. I guess. It's just that most of these chapters are like five or six paragraphs <laughs> on, on average. Yeah. Yeah, the next one's like literally have a pa like like a page. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like if you're going like, oh, two paragraphs of morphing descriptor, it's like, okay, well, that's like a third of the chapter <laughs> on average. I think it's because every, every time we switch perspective, it's a new chapter. Yep. And sometimes we don't need a character's perspective for very long to tell the story. True. Absolutely. That ends up with like page-long chapters. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And um, that'll take a... Well, no, I do have one more sentence for this previous chapter. So uh, as they're morphing, Tobias starts freaking out because it turns out that the dust monster is here. Uh-oh. <laughs> and, and then it turns out it's a polar bear. And then it turns out the island is purgatory. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, so that'll take us into chapter 12, which I have titled The Love Shack. Um, Rachel's still trapped in the basement. She's screaming to be let out, but the lady upstairs is just sort of shuffling around and pretending to be a, a, a store clerk and talking to herself. And Rachel's thinking about the word yerk again and how bad it is and what it means. And then she starts to have flashbacks of, like, she sees a taxon in her memory, but she doesn't know the word taxon. So I guess that's a thing she's forgotten. And, uh, same deal for Hork-Bajir and Andalite, and <laughs> <laughs> then, yeah, uh, she she starts to have to, like, yell at herself to get out of these flashbacks, and when she does, 
she's smelling smoke. It's really strong. It's like she thinks the lady is cooking at first, but then she realizes that the shack is on fire. So she, the, the old woman, well, the not old woman, I guess I should say, has set the shack on fire in order to kill the yerk in the basement. Um, it's, I mean, that'll probably work, yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she says that it takes uh, less than a minute for fire to start falling down through the gaps in the wood floor above her, so that's intense. But um, no matter how she screams, the old lady, the not old lady, will not let her out. <laughs> and, the young uh, old lady. <laughs> yes. And uh, Rachel, she's panicking and she decides that she needs power, raw power to break out because one of the walls of this basement is made of logs so if she's strong enough she can just bust through them and everything is on fire and she's too weak but maybe something inside her is strong enough and then without really understanding how or why uh, she m sort of just gets enormous and furry and just incredibly powerful and yeah then she's uh, then she's big and strong she does not say that she's morphing grizzly bear, but that's what happened here. Uh, <laughs> How? Because like when you when you morph, you're supposed to, you, you like have an image of the animal in your head. She didn't do that. Yeah. She just like morphed reflexively. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I guess I guess it could be that like strength is so deeply associated with the grizzly bear in Rachel's mind now. Yeah. That just thinking about being strong was enough to activate the morph. I mean, that's possible. We saw how she was treating it in book seven. I feel like mm -hmm. this book maybe would have been better without the amnesia plotline, because you could have basically still had, like, a lot of the same stuff with Rachel, of, like, her being, like, out in the woods because she's just looking around for Tobias to be, like, to hang out for a bit, and then the lady, like, she comes across the shack and talks to the lady and gets trapped anyway. It's like I, I don't I don't think she would be looking for Tobias yeah. to hang out with a giant dust monster flying around. I think that... If she hadn't had amnesia, she'd probably just go home or find one of the, the kids. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But maybe it could be like she was out in the woods and being chased by it, and now she's like stuck in human form because she's like trying to like not be like conspicuous or something and looking for Tobias because Tobias can fly. <laughs> they know. haven't figured out that the dust monster is attracted to morphing true, true, energy yet. True. And no, it, it anything but the amnesia plot's too much of a stretch. I yeah. guess. I mean, I could see a version of this story where Rachel is still going to camp and doesn't end up with amnesia. She's just trapped out in the woods when the thing attacks her bus. Yeah, but like, I guess that's what I'm yeah. going across. Like, yeah, like she she runs from it and then she's like, wait, okay, I guess I'll start heading back and maybe I'll find Tobias along the way and Tobias can look around for this monster thing to see where it is just to help me out. And then she gets trapped in this shack, I don't know. Well, see, because the real problem is she doesn't get trapped in the shack if she doesn't have amnesia. That doesn't happen. So you have to have some other contrivance for why she would morph and do the thing, so... Yeah, I guess. I think it's just that, like, amnesia plot lines are just a little... When they're not handled, like, well or interesting, they're kind of just like, well, here's the reason for the plot to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well... I mean, like, she, was literally, she literally had, like, what, one or two chapters before she bonked herself on the head by being attacked by some jays or whatever, and how, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, like, well, I'm, I'm a weird harpy lady, I guess. Yep. Uh, I mean, she's not a harpy lady. Harpy ladies are good-looking. Um. 
and not children for the most part. But despite every, but every book they always say that Rachel is hot in like a weird, uncomfortable way because she's twelve. Not when she's like a weird bird human, like I guess. mush hybrid. I guess not. Not not when not when she's a like. There's 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 a combination of so you know about the mutant beak from X Men, <laughs> no, how he was I like like so he was he he was a mutant who like had bird anatomy, mm-hmm. but it was like all the worst parts. Uh, so, so, so he had like a like beak. Bones. He couldn't fly, but he did have hollow brittle bones. <laughs> oh, no. He was he was basically just all the worst parts of a bird. No actual powers. <laughs> That's that's a real like oh like you went to, you found a genie and you were like I want to be be able to be a bird person to fly and they're like well uh, I'll make you into a bird person but your anatomy with bird stuff doesn't fly and also you're gonna yeah. just shatter your limbs all the time. <laughs> also yes, terrible terrible elbows. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> yeah. Uh so like that's the sort of situation we're talking about with Rachel being half bird, not like anything useful or good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this will of course take us into my last chapter which I have titled Just What California Needs More Deforestation. Um <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> um so this Tobias is yelling that this thing is coming, and we're back in Jake's perspective. I'm sorry, or Marco's perspective. I, I, I'm not used to telling you who's talking at the beginning of a chapter, and so I forgot. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's Marco's perspective, and Jake decides that they need to finish morphing because this, they're probably going to be better off if they fight this thing as wolves than as humans. So reasonable, but also you saw what it did to a truck. Like a wolf's not talking yeah, to a truck. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Their train of thought is at least okay. Of like, well, puny human body. We don't. Ha- we're kids. We don't have like weaponry or body strength or something like that. So uh, I guess this is one of our strongest forms that wouldn't be out <laughs> of the place in the forest. But still, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this this thing just comes right down, and it's absolutely shredding anything in the way. It mostly includes trees because it's above them, right? So it's descending down on the forest and just annihilating trees as it comes down. And uh, then they just run, which, reasonable, good. (laughs) Wolves are faster than humans. Use your powers. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, the thing, now that it's down at ground level, just starts following them through the trees and ripping through any trees in the way instead of moving between them. So it's just... Again... The beast ripped a path 50 feet wide through the forest like some nightmare lumberjack, reducing trees to twigs and splinters in seconds. Wonderful. <laughs> like, More like a wood chipper than a lumberjack, honestly. Yeah, for real. like, maintain logs that they can take back to use for things. This thing just shreds it. This is another reason, like, another case where I feel like the Yurks are just the shittiest when it comes to covert, like, uh, takeovers and stuff, of, like, trying to sneakily take over a species, because, like, this is something... This is 100, like, we'll get this later in my chapters, but this is 100% Visser 3's idea. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Totally it's totally in character yeah, for him. Like, I was about to bring that up, and, like, it is discussed later on... That this is like, are you going to tell him to stop? Because I ain't. No, we'll, That's we'll, how you die. We'll get to it. We'll, yeah. we'll get to it. Don't steal my job. We'll yeah, get yeah. to it. It's just like, Visser, 
The Council of Thirteen should be demoting him and just murdering his ass and putting somebody smarter in charge. I think the, the the implication is that like this information doesn't necessarily yeah. get to the Council of Thirteen, and they're very hands off with this kind of thing. Yes, so, but it's like yeah, somebody in like under Visitor's command should be like, look, I gotta I gotta report my boss here to the to HR department because Jesus Christ, <laughs> they will not live long enough. <laughs> for a replacement to come, they will be dead. But that's why they go. That's fast. why they go there in person. They like they they like sneak aboard like a ship going off to like they like find it. it takes if they, if it if it if it takes if it takes like months and months and months for an Andalite ship to get to Earth. They're not going to get back to I guess the Council of Thirteen anytime soon. Huh. Interstellar distances take time to cross in this world. Ch- Chapman should use his like his TV walkie talkie thing that he stares huh. that he stares at the wall before he has to talk to his three. He should use that to con- contact the council and be like, look, you gotta you gotta send somebody out here. <laughs> like ASAP. Visitor three is been specifically noted to be lying to the Council of Thirteen. And bluntly He's not going to be the one putting in his reports. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he yeah. never does. <laughs> Obviously, he's so, not even willing to read his own reports to learn what cats are. He's not going to actually do any real reporting. This is what I'm saying. Fister Three is the one who is like, <laughs> he's making Chapman do the lying for him. Chapman's not gonna. Hmm. Yeah. Also, he's probably he's probably at the very least reviewing the things that people say about him to the Council of Thirteen. But yeah, probably we don't we don't know how how your like communications technology works. It might be really hard to communicate with, like to go over your superior's head. I'm, you know? I'm just now imagining Visser Three doing the usual like asshole former president thing of complaining about anybody who actually maybe grows the slightest bit of a spine against him and just immediately getting those people like shit on by the entire rest of the party (laughs) chapman is a terrible person yeah (laughs) i knew it when i suspected it when i hired him but i was wrong but 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 i i didn't listen to myself and i was wrong or like I don't know. Well, no, I, Triple never yeah, yeah, that, wrong. yeah, yeah. There's yeah, there, there in this the decision. He, 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 like every time he tweets something like that, it's it's always like it's all the person who I hired's fault, mm-hmm. but it's not my fault for hiring them for hiring yeah. them, and also literally every other person. <laughs> yeah, that who was on my staff and has doubt like like he's he's. At this point, it just seems like he's very bad at hiring people. It's off topic, but yeah. <laughs> turns out, and also I mean, he doesn't pay anybody, so it's like, is it really hiring in a sense? But yeah, uh, don't ever try to remake Adam Morse in the modern day because it'd a be point. so different. A point is the correct word. A point, yeah, hire a point. You know, basically same thing because he kind of basically tried to force them all to work for him and not, you know, the people of the U.S. <laughs> uh. But yeah, don't try yeah, and yes. don't try and do an Animorphs reboot in modern day, please. Do not. <laughs> yeah. No, it's either the problem. I've actually seen like a lot of shit about that, and it would suck. And the reason it would suck is because uh, the kids would be found out in like five minutes. Yeah, exactly. The 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 the, 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 the like the degree of 
Like um, cell phones and social media ruined this entire series, basically. Plus, just like the su- just the surveillance state. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Just like the the, the amount of of uh, this is like a pre nine eleven world that we're dealing yeah. with in these books. Yeah, I never actually you cannot that you cannot somehow. set this you you cannot set this post nine eleven you cannot set this post smartphone. If they ever did like uh, uh an adaptation of the Animorphs, it would have to be set in the nineties. Yeah, like it would <laughs> like it, it would basically have to be like what they tried to do with like uh Stranger Things of like this is explicitly set in the nineties, even if it's like a modern day reboot, basically. It it could it could be good it could work you just have yeah. to set it in the nineties yeah they, like they, you it's it's not like they could do like what Riverdale does where it's like there's like weird like seventies tech everywhere but everybody still has cell phones and computers and it's like what is up with this fucking world what's up with Riverdale <laughs> why is, why I have not seen Riverdale that sounds incredibly stupid it's so weird it's so bad also that series it's so that series started out interesting I guess and then it I guess it makes sense because like. <laughs> Archie has always been, like, uh, Archie is increasingly anachronistic, and yet still set in the modern day. Like, they go and they get milkshakes at the malt shop, Mm -hmm. but then also it's supposed to be now... But they're like 1950s teenagers still, yeah, like very yeah, clearly. Yeah, and and there's, there's explicitly a scene in season one, I think, in like episode four, where like Jughead is in Pop's diner having like a burger or whatever, and he has his laptop out. And it's like this is just such a weird combination of things. Diners exist. Listen, diners exist. Diners exist, but Pop's diner still definitely looks like it's from the 50s and not 2020s. Yeah, and theme diners are a thing also. I guess. Yeah, you've never been to a 50s diner? Like no, not, not exactly now. I mean, I'm just like, kids today don't usually go to 50s nostalgia no, diners no. and have milkshakes. Yeah. That's really more what I'm getting at. But there are, like, 50s-style diners, and they're great. I'm pretty sure there's also I a like part them. in season one when, like, they're watching TV on, like, one of the 1950s-ass TVs, and it's like, why do you have this if you have cell phones and computers? Why is the TV not updated, too? And, like, their cars are also all from, like, the 50s or 60s, too. I mean, and you know what? I... I think I think fifty style diners today are better than fifty style diners back in the day because they're not segregated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They probably also have like actual like health regulation stuff of like you need to make sure that this place is sanitary. <laughs> oh no. Uh the that like I think the see that health regulations started in like the nineteen 19- 20s with the jungle like it was uh, spurred by right, the jungle right. by Upton Sinclair and then they they started the FDA. Yeah, yeah. So I imagine that um the 1950s probably actually had probably better oversight in a lot of ways probably, the government yeah, was bigger pr- back probably then. Probably more than nowadays, yeah. <laughs> now you say that. <laughs> yeah. I, I I don't know for sure, but like I wouldn't be surprised. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's keep going with this. Yeah, uh, yeah. This isn't uh this isn't the Riverdale rewatch podcast. There's a different one of those. <laughs> I would just like to say, as as far as I know, the only one of us who actually regularly reads Archie comics. This is entirely resolved. This is not an issue. They are not anachronistic at all. Riverdale is just weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, like, why would it be just this one town? It's just strange and like stuck in this midpoint between the 1950s and the 2020s, where they have both aspects. <laughs> 
Listen, there is a season where Sabrina the Teenage Witch has to teach Betty and Veronica to be witches so they can bring Archie back because he got murdered by a serial killer. It's a weird show. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> this is true. And also, I mean, like, the fucking Predator shows up at times. And also, they were zombies for a while. So, who knows? Well, that's comic stuff. That's not the show. <laughs> okay. Oh, wait. I, okay, I didn't know they actually had a proper, like, full tie-in with Sabrina. Because, like, I thought that, that, I don't know. I thought that, that was, like, I get that they were, like, uh, oh, okay. He said Sabrina, and I, I thought Teenage Witch from the town. Over. Yes, that's her. But it's a different Sabrina. But it's a different Sabrina the Teenage Witch? Listen, Sabrina the Teenage Witch is an Archie comic character. She always has been. When she got put into that show in the 90s, she was kind of removed from continuity for the sake of that show, because it just would have been weird for Archie to be wandering around. <laughs> But yes, she has always lived in the next town over. She comes from Greendale, not Riverdale. It's a whole thing. <laughs> In my okay, so now in my head, canon Sabrina the Teenage Witch lives in the town that community takes place in. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like in the uh, in the Afterlife with Archie series, it was Sabrina who accidentally caused the zombie apocalypse, etc. Fun. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's like you talk to me about Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and I just always think of like the '90s Nickelodeon show with the funny talking cat. Yes, that's the one I'm referring to, where it was removed from the greater continuity. <laughs> But yes, uh, in the Archie vs. Predator series, she was the first one to get got because she's too powerful. You cannot have her running around. <laughs> I mean, she's a witch, and like nobody else explicitly really is besides like other people like from her family and mm -hmm. that continuity. So it's like, yeah, yep. if you have a witch, that kind of solves a lot of the problems. <laughs> really does, yes. <laughs> Anyway, so just to finish up this chapter real quick, uh, the, the, the thing is chasing them, it's trashing trees. Uh, Marco kind of gets this idea that maybe if the thing that it's chewing through is more dense, that it'll slow down. So they start heading for the densest, thickest, most old growth part of the forest, so the thing will destroy that instead, which, again, great. That's fantastic for the forest. Thanks, Marco. Um... <laughs> So yeah, they uh they're they're heading that way, but according to Tobias's recon, they only have about a quarter mile of woods left, and then there's a meadow, and if they run into open grounds, this thing is going to catch them and destroy them. And so as they're trying to figure it out, they're they're panicking. Marco starts to smell smoke because there's a fire nearby, and he hears just barely a, a human voice screaming. So again, they're right next to Rachel, they're just not quite there. Uh -huh. And uh <laughs> Then, like, right as he's thinking this, uh, the monster just sort of shudders a little bit, it vibrates in place and stops, and then it just kind of turns to smoke and flies away. And that's the end of my chapters for today. <laughs> I'm now realizing that, like, uh, at least almost like a third or half of this book is Rachel chapters because she's been separated from the rest of them for much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Alright, because, uh, continuing on, my chapter 14, which I call Fire Escape, it's also narrated by Rachel. Uh, this one is, like, pretty fucking short. It's basically just her and Partial Bear Morph bursting through the wall, like, the wood, the log wall of the, ca of the cabin basement, right before the cabin collapses from the fire. She has, like, another little vision of, like, past events from last book, from when she fought the Horkbishers in the tower near where the Kendrona was kept. Basically, that like helps her realize she's in a grizzly bear form <laughs> because she <laughs> somehow can kind of like see from like a bit of like a third person perspective that she was a bear. <laughs> <laughs> That's how she figures out what this is. 
Uh, but she also wonders if, like, what she is is one of these yurks that the Shack women had mentioned before. And basically, uh, she finishes morphing outside of the fire as the dust cloud blade storm thing starts to descend on her. But then Axe arrives, asking if that's her, because uh, even though Axe has seen her in Bear Morph before he's in the forest, he might think it's just fair, but... <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, she naturally doesn't know who Axe is, nor if her name is Rachel, but she, Axe, and the monster all just kind of sort of stand around there for a sec, waiting to see what happens <laughs> as Rachel asks him if that's her name. But then the monster attacks her. That, that, that's the entire chapter. There's not much to happen. <laughs> Uh, like I said, pretty simplistic chapter, so we'll just continue on to chapter 15, which at least has more to it, which I've called Let's Do the Time Warp Again, because it cuts to X, because finally X gets his time to be the protagonist, or the POV character for a time. <laughs> he basically, he, yeah, <laughs> he's basically, he basically recounts, like, the entire day's activities, be- introducing himself and everything, because uh, that's what the narrator always does when they start, but he hasn't done that yet, because he's not actually been the focal point of a book or a chapter yet. And he also says that he accompanied Marco to the party because it was better for him to have somebody around to watch his back, I guess, as opposed to just letting Marco just go off on his own and be a little chaos gremlin. Uh, <laughs> I love how he describes here that Marco is intelligent but afflicted by a condition called a sense of humor. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's a very funny descriptor of Marco <laughs> in the sense. Of- Which is weird because Andalites do have humor. They're just not <laughs> yeah. as humorous as humans on average. Yeah. Like they're <laughs> like it's like I think back to like last book when like uh, when Marco was like everybody has miles back and he's like ah oh, actually some people have kilometers Marco. <laughs> Like, that's, that's a funny retort from him. <laughs> There's also a character, an Andalite character who will show up later that very much does have a strong sense of humor. Yeah. Um, yeah. Andalite's got goofs. Yeah, I think, I, think it's, goofs. I think it's mostly just because he's, like, a teen boy Andalite and his brother got killed by Mr. Three, so, of course, that's why he acts always acts a little bit more like, I gotta act all tough to get Mr. Three, because I'm a big boy. <laughs> but yeah. But basically, uh, he notices the dust monster at the time when it was starting to chase after Marco and Jake, and he basically uh, sees the smoke from the burning cabin around this time, and he decides to head over to there to try to use the smoke as cover from the monster, because it's, it's basically like this point he's also noticed that it's like starting to go towards him, so he's like, oh, well, I can't really do much of anything besides this, so I gotta try to hide, I guess. <laughs> uh, he then does what I just described from the last book, uh, chapter where you know he sees Rachel before uh, it continues on from where the last chapter left off with the dust monster thing uh, topping off one of her paws and then the entire other front leg as she tries to attack it because you know, like even if Rachel doesn't remember who she is she still resorts to violence when need to <laughs> so of course she still attacks things uh, Axe sees that she, this must absolutely be Rachel because he sees human fear in the bear's eyes because that bear wouldn't really do that. Uh, and he's scared when he realizes that he lacks any morphs that are more powerful than his own Andalite body since his tail would just get easily hacked off if he tried to use it to fight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and at this point he basically just says that Rachel's fucked. He just says she's screwed. I can't do anything for her. <laughs> Like, the not even gonna try. Uh, but basically, he resolves to morph into his hairier form to follow the monster to where it hides, because at least he can do that, even if Rachel's gonna die, basically. 
Uh, and he begins morphing as the creature goes to engulf Rachel in her bear form, but mid-morph he sees the monster stop and instead make a beeline over for him, which then clues him in that it is the fact, like the act of morphing itself from the energy released from it that attracts the creature's attention and not just them. Like it doesn't, they don't, the creature doesn't know that these kids are the animorphs and they have the morphing technology and stuff. It's just looking out for that stuff. <laughs> uh, he does note that Rachel wasn't eaten since basically the monster had just wrapped her in some sort of like he calls it living ropes I don't really know I, I'm just thinking snakes for some reason but I don't think that's the case <laughs> uh, but the roads basically like leave her to rejoin the monster as it goes and engulfs Axe instead and he doesn't fight back because he's like well if I do anything this thing's gonna just shred me so I will just let it wrap me up because hey at least I'll find out where this thing goes anyway <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yay. I think yeah. Axe might be a little hot-headed and like uh, trigger-happy when it comes to chopping up people's arms, but at least like when push comes to shove, he actually does think about like, yeah, this at least will tell us something, even if I might get screwed afterwards. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the monster basically just airlifts him out of there, and he realizes that this monster's purpose is to find and capture them and his friends and bring them to Vista Three. So that chapter has a lot more to it than the previous one, at the least. <laughs> yeah, it really does. It yeah, kind of seems yeah. like it's every other with this book. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm my chapter 16 synopsis and 17 are a little bit lengthier than the 14 one, at least. So, well, that's yeah. We're yeah. kind of getting into it at this point, so. Yeah, I mean, not a lot happens in 16, regardless. But it's like there's at least more of a descriptor rather than Rachel breaks out, the monster attacks her. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, if there's nothing else, we'll just continue on with chapter 16, which I have called the Hardy Boys. <laughs> Get these guys <laughs> investigating. Uh, it's narrated by Jake this time. It's basically himself, Marco, and Tobias arrive at the burned cabin, which is like, the fire is basically subsided at this point. It's still like smoldering a little bit, but it's not as much of a inferno as before. And they use their wolf noses to figure out that both Rachel and Axe were here, since they can smell a bear and also an andalite. <laughs> They know it had to have been the monster that attacked them, and Tobias spots Rachel's bear tracks and blood accompanying it headed north, but that since there was only one set of footprints and not, like, basically two, like, you know, he, there's only, like, two paws, basically, not four, uh, he <laughs> realized that she must have been walking on her hind legs and was hurt. Can I just say, this is some fucking impressive detective work coming from yeah, these kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's... Like, they're, like, reading footprints, drawing conclusions from them. Yeah, that's why I was like, they're... oh, the Hardy Boys. I, for some reason, I was at first thinking the Barty Boys, but that was the D20 uh, parody of Hardy Boys when it was just, like, <laughs> that was because that was just Fabian, uh, Riz, and Gorgug just hanging out. <laughs> Occasionally Grog is, uh, no, not Grog, but the, the other barbarian sports guy. Rog, right, just hanging out. Just them. Yeah, at the same time, it's like, the Hardy Boys don't do a whole lot of actual detective work, you know what I'm saying? They still call those mystery novels, that's why I went with it. <laughs> they do, it's just that mostly they just sort of bumble around and then accidentally True. find themselves in the position where the mystery is, and then the punchy one punches the guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, they they found themselves in the same place where the thing happens, it's just that they come to better conclusions. of just like, well, I guess this must have happened. <laughs> Except, well, we'll get there, but they don't actually realize what really happened to Axe <laughs> at all. No, they super don't. No. 
They even call it that, but they're like, oh, he just seems like he disappeared. Uh, whatever. Uh, to, to be fair, there's not really any way they could know. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I that's what you find when you roll investigation. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, basically, uh, yeah, uh, Tobias says that the tracks ended a stream nearby, so Rachel must have morphed back to human, and he regrets not following the monster earlier to find out where Rachel went afterwards, like when it left Marco and Jake. They wonder for a bit why Axe was here and hadn't actually come to meet them at their point of meeting, I guess. I don't know. I'm drawing a blank on words there for for some reason. Uh, he was supposed to meet them somewhere else, but instead he came here. Uh, but they noticed that his tracks just stopped like he just vanished. And like they even, uh, Tobias even says, it's like he got lifted out of here or something. And it's like, hmm, <laughs> that, that's impossible. <laughs> well, yeah, whatever. Uh, Marco wonders why if Axe had actually jumped in to help Rachel, that there's no body of his left behind or tracks of him leaving. Yeah, I mean, the other possibility that they mention is that the thing just... Just ate. Just mm-hmm. ate him. Yep. Mm-hmm. Just ate him. Yeah. And they're like, maybe this thing just shreds you so thoroughly that there's no bits of a body left behind at all. That's morbid. <laughs> but basically, they realize they can't do much about it now since they only have like an hour or so to get back to civilization before nightfall. And also before their parents think they're missing. Tobias decides to use that remaining bit of sunlight to try and find where Rachel and Axe are while they... Like, the others just basically talk about how the Yerks have to know who they are if this thing keeps coming after them, but wonder why it hasn't just descended upon them at their homes to deal with them, because they don't know yet. <laughs> yeah, it is too bad that, like, this is a thing that'll certainly happen in mystery novels, that one person figures it out but has no way of communicating it yeah. with anyone else. Yeah, like, like, of course, Axe was the one who was like, oh, this is the purpose, but it's like... He could have, like, thought speech that Rachel real quick, being like, mm-hmm. it's trying to capture us, not kill us, find the others. Like, he could have done something. He didn't do that, at least. Yeah, like, traditionally, the person who figures it out would leave some sort of obscure clue for the others to work out, but now nah, he's just gone. Yeah, yeah. Again, he could have told Rachel, and it's like, well, if, even if Rachel doesn't remember the others, if she gets back her memory, or, like, finds them and they recognize her, she could tell them about that. <laughs> no. Axe doesn't do that for some reason. Yeah, uh, my final chapter uh, 17, which I've called Bugging, which is narrated by Cassie, uh, basically has her at the mall that she hates a lot, as Jake had asked her to basically look around at all the locations that Rachel might be at, because they're besties. Can, hmm? can I just say something about how this chapter starts? Yeah. Uh, brand, brand, yeah, brand, yeah, brand, yeah. brand. It's, it's such a weird, like, beginning paragraph. <laughs> And I looked it up, and hold on one second, I'm trying to confirm something. Okay, so out of the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 uh. brands they mention, four of them no longer exist. Wait, which ones no longer exist? I didn't actually write them. Radio Shack is gone, oh, yeah. Casual Corner is gone, B. Dalton is gone, Kenny Shoes is gone. Well, Radio Shack is still around, it's just NFTs now. Oh boy, fun. Uh, it doesn't count. It's like it's like when it's like when you go to a graveyard and you bring back your mom, but then they come back wrong. You know what I mean? It's like it's not really it's not really the thing that you brought that 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 that, that it was. It's it's a it's a 
a vicious undead mockery of what it, what, of what it once was. Yeah, you know? d- don't trust the monkey's paw. It's never going to give you back what you want. You need to be specific. You can't just exactly. say, bring my son back, and it's like, nope. You, never... you got to specify, bring him back as a normal person and not a corpse monster. <laughs> never trust a bored ape's paw. Yeah. It <laughs> 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 took me a sec to realize you said bored ape. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but... Um... But yeah, just like it's, it's. I just uh, that's what I love about these books. Yeah. They're so dated. It, it, They're so it delightfully a, dated. It reminds me a lot of like the early, like the Michael Bay Transformers movies, where those are also just brand, brand, brand. <laughs> yeah, but then also like brands that brands that just really cement this is taking place in a particular time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm really curious what would have, because, you know, we've been, as we've been going through, I've been mentioning changes that they made for the reprints to, like, update and fix the brand stuff, right? But this one never got a reprint, and I really want to know what they would have done with this. <laughs> Probably just, like, make, like, parodies of each of them. Like, instead of the gap, it's, like, the chasm or something. <laughs> well, no, because it usually does keep the actual brand names. If anything, it corrects them from misprints in the first versions, but I just, like... Would they have replaced the ones that are gone now? Would they have just taken them out? I need to know. <laughs> yeah. Were they trying to, like, prevent, like, keep from dating things? But then, like, why would they have changed Starbucks? You know? Because that's still around. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, like, the, um... The last time we went to Radio Shack, when they uh, took Axe there, it didn't name it Radio Shack in the reprint. It just called it the computer store. So, I don't, like... Which is weird, because that's not what Radio Shack is. Yeah, yeah and also the computer <laughs> store is an actual store chain. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh. Well, whatever. We're at the mall because uh, Cassie knows Rachel best and would know where to look. Cassie does kind of actually call this out as thinking it might be a bit sexist on Jake's part of the assumption of how girls must understand each other better, or that he was just kind of trying to keep her safely away from the monster, but she also admits that she's a bit relieved to be not out in the field. <laughs> uh, she's just kind of worried about Jake because of the dream she told him about from last week, but does admit that she would know best where Rachel might be, so this is her job, basically. But she basically... I don't remember this. I don't remember this dream. I, I, I assume I had, it took place yeah, in... Yeah, it was earlier where it's like her having to be like, oh, I had to pick who lives and who dies kind of thing. It's like a thing that's like, oh, I think okay. it just briefly gets mentioned in like one of the first few chapters of last time. Oh, the whole, uh, yeah, it's it's the okay. night when they're at the barn and Jake goes to help Cassie load some, get some cages out of yeah. her dad's truck. And she's mm-hmm. like, boy, I had a dream and it was really bad. And then he goes, well, don't worry about it because real life is way worse. Yeah, it's just weird that that guy <laughs> brought up in like chapter two or three and it doesn't get brought up again till like 17 it's like i feel well, like Cassie hasn't had a chapter since then <laughs> i guess i guess yeah i mean she no she had a chapter i think at some point earlier i think that was a jake chapter cassie's first chapter is chapter nine and then she doesn't get another one until 17 <laughs> yeah yeah that must have been a jake chapter when she told him that must have been yeah yeah but in any case, uh, she didn't find Rachel at the, the place she goes for gymnastics, the frozen yogurt place that she likes, uh, the school because of that's where she was to get her bus, nor her house, even though her siblings said she wasn't there. So basically that just left them all as the only other possibility, because I guess Rachel only goes to five different locations ever. <laughs> <laughs> but all she basically finds here is Chapman, who's just here at the mall instead, uh, which gives her the idea to tail him instead, because if this monster is tied to the Yorks, it makes sense to latch on to one of their higher members to see if she learns anything. 
<laughs> the idea that Rachel would go to the mall is weird to me. Because yes, Rachel likes the mall. I don't think Rachel likes the mall after a big dust monster has yeah. destroyed the bus she's on. Like I think I think she'd have other priorities than going shopping and Well, I almost died, so I really wanna get that shirt I like rather than uh <laughs> you know, potentially dying <laughs> without that shirt. I would really regret if I didn't buy that shirt. <laughs> Well, in a way, it's reasonable. Like, to their knowledge, the York Pool entrance is in the mall, so... This is also true, yeah. The, with that entrance, they I get through the gap. I guess so. Uh, the real reason is that we need Cassie here to overhear Chapman. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's basically it. Uh, yeah. He basically decides to start tailing him into a bookstore, where he basically just thumbs through some magazines in the history section, which he finds weird because, like... He's not, like, a young kid or anything, and the York has to learn. He's an old man. The York would just be able to learn from his brain, I guess. But she well, basically... like, I mean, early nine... No internet, you know what I mean? True, true, I guess. If, <laughs> if this York wants a book on the Revolutionary War... <laughs> yeah, I But guess. also, what magazines do you think Chapman's York is reading? Like... <laughs> <laughs> Garden? Probably, uh, I don't know... What what magazines would an alien brain slug read? <laughs> it's just it's just a bunch of gun magazines. <laughs> well, maybe that, but given that this is Chapman's York specifically, I kind of feel like he's looking at the the monthly self help or whatever because he really needs that jazzing up to talk to his boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, I gotta find a hobby rather than just staring at the wall for two hours. I gotta I gotta think of something. <laughs> But yeah, in any case, uh, Cassie spots uh, an emergency, uh, like an employee bathroom in the storage room, or the storeroom that she seeks into the morph in. She basically, like, uh, stows her clothes and shoes in the trash under some paper towels to keep them, rather, like, hidden rather than just abandoning them like they do a lot of times to clothes. And she morphs into a fly in order to basically just ride on Chapman for as long as she can. And she, of course, gives us another mandatory morphing as gross descriptor, zooms out from under the door, and heads over to her target. To end that chapter. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit different, because this time it's a bug, and bugs are even grosser. Yeah, bugs yeah. are great. Yeah, mm-hmm. but bugs, I don't, I don't mind it when they, when they re, when they rehash how gross bugs are, because... Yeah, because bugs are gross. It's, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it's some severe body horror. I love the sentence, my mouth and tongue melted together, then grew huge, forming a long tube with an open, spitting, sucking hole on the end. Yep, no thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. Children. So you can throw up digestive juices Yay. and suck back up the delicious goo. Yum, yum, yum. I've called, chap- so chapter 18 is narrated by Axe, and I've called it Alien Alien Abduction. <laughs> uh, because some aliens are abducting an alien. Uh, so, like, the big dust monster takes Axe up into the air, into the sky. And I, I, I think it's appropriate to still say air because they're still in the atmosphere. Very, very high up. But, um, still in the atmosphere. And there's a ship that appears. It drops its cloak. And it's that big, uh, just dark, dark, black, battle axe-shaped blade ship that Visser 3 is on. Um... There's a hole that opens in the top of the battle bridge, and the thing swirls Axe through it, and he falls and slams on the ground at the feet of uh, several Hork-Bajir warriors. Um, 
probably about ten, although that's more than enough to make sure Axe can't do anything to fight back against them. Yeah, I mean, all of the Animorphs together almost died fighting seven last week, so... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and of course there are, there's, there's, uh, Visser 3's there, because obviously, obviously he is with his ship. Um, Axe mentions that Hork-Bajir, uh, like, before that, Axe mentions that hork are a poetic species, like, peaceful poetic species, and, like, are they... <laughs> I don't think so. I think, like, later on, when we actually learn more about them, we'll learn that they're, like, very, very specifically not poetic. But Well, I could argue that they are, but only in the sense that someone on the outside looking in would see them as a, a poetic sort of noble savage metaphor, you know? They're, like, they're, like, the, the, um, they're, like, in the Garden of Eden, basically. They're in yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the unspoiled wilderness. Um, and then of course there's like, well, that's a little bit much. We'll, we'll get into it later. Um, much, 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 much later. <laughs> uh, when is Horkbashir Chronicles? Uh, not too far away. It's after the next Tobias book. Uh, yeah. I think you're right. Uh, looks like anyway. it's 22 and a half. This or three is there being a dick. And, um, we get this whole recap of how Axe, you know, well, actually, I think this is the first time this is mentioned. Axe is honor-bound to kill Visser 3. I think this is the first instance we get of this, that, like, if Axe does not kill Visser 3, he, he, he will be dishonored by his people because Visser 3 killed his brother. <laughs> um, so there's, like, a, a significant impetus here for Axe to kill the most high-ranking Yurg on Earth. Yeah, that's what happens when you swear a blood oath of vengeance. You know, sometimes you just get screwed about it long term if you don't actually fulfill it. Oh no, it's 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 not that Axe had a choice in swearing a blood oath. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's just that that's what you have to do in an Andalite culture if someone kills your brother. That's just you just have to kill them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kinda sucks. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, a little weird. Oh, you technically got my uh, sibling killed in, like, a space car crash. I guess that means I'm honor bound to kill you, even though it's, like, technically not your fault. <laughs> I don't- I think it's only if it's, like, intentional. I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, but even so, it's like, Visser 3 has presumably killed a lot of brothers. If Axe manages to pull this off, does he dishonor every other brother out yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, hmm. Do they all get partial credit if they work together, or <laughs> is it like, well, only well one of you has to accomplish it, and like if many of you die in the process, then posthumously you'll get uh, your honor back. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's just like if Visser three dies, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. If Visser three dies, it's fine. But you can't stop trying to kill Visser three until he's dead. <laughs> um. So Visser three is very surprised that. Uh, the what he calls the Velik has brought him a child. Uh, Axe does not know what a vis what, what a Velik is, which makes sense because it's a newly discovered creature from uh, Saturn of all places, <laughs> which is weird. I don't think that's a place that could have life on it. Probably, it's fine. Um, it's like a weird dust razor blade monster. It could live there, maybe. <laughs> 
Um, no. No, no question of, uh, like, how we potentially, like, breathe Earth oxygen instead of whatever the fuck is on the gas giant, but don't worry about it. <laughs> I mean, who says it needs to breathe? Maybe it just exists in the void between the, the rings. I get, I, if it's, like, a space monster, I guess? I don't know. It's... So, like, gas giants are made of gas, but it's very, like, compressed gas. We're talking about incredible pressures. So... It, it's like, if if it can survive on Saturnite, don't see how it can survive on Earth. But <laughs> this is this is a this is a children's science fiction series. Yes, yeah. I mean they don't even explain anything of like how they change the thing. <laughs> uh, how how they change what they like later on in this chapter when like visitor is like, oh, we changed it to look for just Morvington stuff. It's like they don't explain how well, they did that. <laughs> There's no explanation given for that. <laughs> I don't know, but turns out that uh, Velik is the Yerk word for pet, which suggests that Yerks have kept pets in, in the past. Um, yeah, and also, this is a thing that we've touched on briefly before, but the fact that Yerks have their own language is very strange, because they cannot communicate in said language while they are or, in Yerkville. Yeah, yeah, that's a good or, point. So, Yerk, Yerk language... I feel like has to be adapted for speech using the Geds because the Yerks have been infesting the Geds for who knows how long. Well, that's true, but I guess what I'm suggesting here is that because when we've seen some other controllers talk, they've used a mix of English and Gallard specifically. So the fact that they have a Yerk language also, what this tells me is that uh, there was one Yerk who was a real nerd about linguistics and just conlanged something into existence. <laughs> okay. I guess so, maybe. <laughs> um, how do they like learn it? Yeah, that's a good question. If, you, if your first host is a human... And you've never, like, heard speech before? Mm -hmm. The first language you're going to get access to is whatever language the human spoke. Yep. Oh, well. I mean, <laughs> Andalites also have a language, so... It's like my novel for children. This <laughs> none of, of, effort none of this makes in. sense. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it, it, the, the, it they got it from Saturn. And it's, um... It's called the Velik, which which they've named it after the Yerk word for pet. Um, and Visor 3 is still, like, surprised that Axe is a child, but is gratified that Axe is an Andalite, because some of his advisors, <laughs> those, those fucking idiots, have been suggesting that the Andalite bandits are a uh, human, not Andalite. I would like to mention that he specifically uses the word terrorist here. He uh, sure which does. Is another <laughs> indication that this is a pre-9-11 book. Yeah. <laughs> I really, I really wonder if, uh, if they would have changed that in the reprint. <laughs> like, they might change it, like, Insurgent or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, Axe is, is angry, obviously. He's, like, screaming, you filth. He's saying, my uncles will destroy you. Uh, which is the first time I've, 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 I've heard... Axe use the term uncles to refer to other Andalites. I guess it's, like, in the well, same, same sense as, like, cousin... I mean, you know, this is like, a very specific play on Axe's part here. He's lying. He's telling Visser 3 uh, that... Ah, yes, 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 yeah. yeah. He's covering for the rest <laughs> he's, of the he's, kids. Like. He, he's, he's implying that the other Andalite bandits are actually, like, older Andalites. Exactly. Mm -hmm. This 
I I also like that this is like that he would like that the Andalites would refer to other Andalites that outrank them as uncles because they refer to Andalites that are like on the same level as them as cousins. <laughs> that's that's also neat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what he's trying what he's trying to do is suggest that the other Animorphs are Andalites. Um it's a really good play. Like he is mad as all heck and he still comes up with this on the spot. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's he's Axe Axe is cool. Um, so Mr. 3 is laughing and he's like, Ha, uh, you may have destroyed the Kendrona, but now I will just kill you very slowly. Um, and obviously he's he's also taunting Axe that the Valik is going to bring his compatriots to him one by one. It's really good that Axe is the one who got caught here because <laughs> now Axe can be like, oh yeah, we're Andalites. Not, not, I'm not the yeah, only Andalite here. G- given that all the other kids have basically been like, we're not going to talk to him at all because we might fuck yeah. it up. <laughs> the other, the other Andalite bandits are definitely Andalites and definitely adults. And definitely <laughs> bandits. <laughs> yep. Um, I mean, like, it's also, like, Visser 3 does, like, calls them terrorists. It's not, like, in a strictly technical sense. He's not wrong. Well, I mean, what you is know what the I mean? old saying? Like, the difference between a terrorist and a freedom fighter is the flag? Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. Like, j- j- just in, in the bare sense of the actions that they are taking, they are guerrilla insurgents. They are operating on a kind of, like, they're using intimidation and as as a tactic, you know, so like technically technically speaking, they they kinda are. Like full um, on, they've already violated the Geneva Convention, so Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um teenagers and have all done murder. <laughs> so a- Axe wonders how the Yurks could have infested the Valik, and then then Visser 3 says that they didn't. That they they modified the Valik in some way to go after morphing energy specifically. Normally, the Valik is a creature that's spread out as dust, but it can sense life energy from a life form and like merge into the big um, tooth monster. And what they've done is they've switched it from identifying like the energy inherent in living things, which doesn't actually exist by the way um to to recognizing morphing energy and then they've also trained it not to kill the things that it morphs but instead to bring it back to the uh the ship so that they can feed it the energy from the engines which is what it now eats because they've altered it um so i have i have questions here Mm-hmm. When presumably the kid killed this thing somehow, why does Mister Three not go back to Saturn and find like more of them and just send a bunch of them after them? <laughs> Maybe we'll get to that when they at the end of the book. When... Maybe. I mean, regardless of whether this thing makes it through the end or not, the fact of the matter is, he says specifically that this thing chewed up a lot of Hork-Bajir and taxons before they figured out what to do with it. And beyond that, they had to specially redesign it to chase morphing energy. And think about this, the Yurks only have one morpher. Visser 3 has to put himself on the line every single time they want to train one of these suckers to go after morphing energy. I guess. But also, he doesn't give a fuck about his subordinates. He would be willing to sacrifice them if it meant to be No, but he does care about himself. True. (laughs) Yeah, and he's the only one who can... He can't give his subordinates the morphing power. He doesn't have the cube. 
Um, <laughs> that's how you keep Axe alive. You go back to Saturn, you find more of them, and you use Axe as a test subject. In the beginning, there was the cube. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, man, had to be make basically, Visor Three is like like um, congratulating himself for being so smart and clever, and then Axe is like, "Ha! Only a Yurk would think it's clever to force a mutation on another life form." And then Visser 3 is like, oh, you think you're so great? Fucking Andalite. <laughs> um, Fucking asshole. Glorious, self-righteous Andalite princess saving the galaxy from the spy from the despised Yerks. Well, here you are, Andalite child, and soon the rest of your group of bandits will be here as well. Mwahahahaha. These awful good assholes. Um, How dare you? <laughs> yeah. So basically, um, Visser 3 is like, the Velik is never going to slow down. Uh, never going to rest. And then tells his subordinate, his soldiers, to throw Axe in a cage and watch him. Um, so they're gonna, and then have the bleak fed and release it to go after the un- other quote unquote Andalites. And then we go into chapter nineteen, which is narrated by Cassie, and I've I've called it wherein Cassie gains more intel from one conversation than any of the kids have before. <laughs> <laughs> Not wrong. Um, so Cassie's a fly, and she's zooming around, trying to keep an eye on Chapman. Um, we get the the hint that flies are fun to be, even though they're gross to be, because they, you know, they can zoom around anywhere. Yeah, between flies and cockroaches, it kind of seems like bugs are absolutely the most things, fun things to be. <laughs> yeah, if you can get past how you look and how it, like, feels and all that stuff, then... Well, except except <laughs> ants, as we saw. You don't want to be ants. Except, yeah, except ants. Um, but very mobile insects. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, she's like resting up on the ceiling above Chapman's head, trying to keep an eye on him. But he's not really doing anything except looking at books. Um, and I don't think we get a hint as to the kind of books that he's looking at. <laughs> uh, which I'd like to know. What kind of books would Chapman choose? Even if he is waiting for other controllers to show up so he can, like, talk to them covertly, which is what happens. There's two other controllers who show up. There's a, a, a controller who, who, um, is, is in the body of a man and a controller who's, 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 uh, controlling a woman. And both of them, uh, show up and, uh, they're both late. Chapman's been waiting here for a while, which I guess is why he was just reading books. So they start moving. They start walking. Cassie starts following them. Uh, turns out that the man is a police officer and the woman is uh, works for the newspaper or for, for the media. And they're talking about um, how... Just, just annoying. Mister Three is making their jobs right now because their job is to cover up all the shit that the Yerks need covered up, both within the police and within the newspaper. We learn here that only ten percent of the police force is controllers, which is still like a lot. That's still not oh, a yeah. great thing. But there's that still makes ninety percent of the police force who are like full on regular humans. Who are gonna be suspicious of a giant ravenous dust monster? Yeah, like they, they so... intentionally call out. Like we've had reports of people seeing this thing as a monster and not a tornado. Yep, this is bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we also learned that that um, 
like I, I, I like this quote up here. I don't see what we're meeting like this. The woman said, "This is isn't isn't a little it's a little melodramatic, isn't it? Like some stupid human spy novel." And then Chapman responds that Visser Three does not trust their communications. Visser One has supporters among some of our people here, so we're also getting hints of um, like this is why I really think that it would be difficult for anyone to get anything to the Council of Thirteen because they're already hiding shit from Visser One. You know what I mean? <laughs> like. It's it, it's very much like there's espionage taking place between York Vissers. <laughs> Everyone is trying to be very secret about this. Oh goodness, um, yes. And yeah. So Chapman seems pretty like seems to have a lot of faith that the Bleak is gonna is gonna do its job and and actually you know capture the Andalite bandits. Um... But the, uh, the, the, the man and the woman who he's meeting with don't seem to think that it's worth the difficulty that it's causing them. Before you jump back in, I did a little bit of research. Uh, I was not able to find a specific number because I only was looking into this for about a minute. But there are roughly 9,000 LAPD officers now, so it's assuming mm. inflation given police budget increases, etc., yep. etc. Et I'd, I'd estimate that makes about 700 York police officers at this point in Again, time. though, I don't think this is L.A. <laughs> Even if the city <laughs> they live in isn't L.A., they are obviously in the greater L.A. area. <laughs> yeah, but that, like, it wouldn't be LAPD, it'd be like whatever, it'd be like Long Beach police department or whatever you know <laughs> it, it, it's i don't know it, it i don't think they have a whole lot of uh i don't think they have a whole lot of controllers on the planet right now um but you know it's well, it's, it's up in the air we I know that 10 percent of that you i just yeah. like i had estimated earlier yeah. that there were only probably about four to five hundred controllers total so clearly mm. that estimate is incorrect if this new information is <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. So basically, um the the woman suggests that someone needs to tell Visser 3 to and then she doesn't finish that because Chapman's like, "Are you stupid? <laughs> uh, tell Visser 3." No one tells Visser 3. People who tell the Visser something he doesn't want to hear end up cut off from Condrona rays, is what he says. So, um yeah, if 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 you want to if you want to tell the Visser to do something that he doesn't want to do and risk your head, then you can do that, but Chapman's not gonna. They, um, they really should just figure out some way of just like it it would suck for them to lose the one Andalite body they have, but they really should just try to sneak up on this guy in his sleep and just fucking cut his throat or cut his head off or something <laughs> just to be done with Visser 3. Uh, <laughs> on promotion. There is a very exactly. easy way to take out Visser 3 that we will cover at some point, but, like, it would be so easy. Uh, he has so many weaknesses. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, basically, Chapman also reveals that there is pressure building up on Visser 3 to clean up the mess because Visser 1 obviously knows about it. The Council of 13 knows about it. If Visser 3 doesn't shape up, he could get demoted. Um, so we learned that too. At that point, uh, Chapman gives them some instructions. Stick to the tornado story. 
uh, try to manipulate the media, try to manipulate the, like, police intel to make sure that no one gets word of the Volique. Um, which I imagine these other two controllers find very frustrating <laughs> because that's essentially like ask, asking something very difficult of them. Um, but now it's not just Axe who knows what the Valique is or what it does. Cassie now, now knows what the Valique is and does too, which brings us into chapter 20, uh, which is narrated by Rachel and I've called it more amnesia stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> Because that's what it is. Uh, so Rachel's front paws are just kind of gone. They've been chewed off by the dust monster. She finds a stream, uh, and she sinks into it. She 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 wants to demorph, um, but she doesn't necessarily know that she's going to regrow her hands when that happens. Luckily, she does. Uh, she's getting like she's trying to think like what was that thing that I saw earlier that which was, of course was axe. Um, She's trying to figure out what's going on to, n- like, no further avail. Um, but she does morph back. She's human again. She's whole. She stands up. Uh, she's feeling weak, but she's healed. Um, she, she thinks about this, this, this alien who knew her name. And at that point, she knows, yeah, it's an alien. So there's, like, aliens, and that creature couldn't have been from Earth. Um, she wonders if the Yerks that the lady were, ta- that the, 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 um, the, that woman was talking about, the woman in the shack, uh, are aliens as well. And with that, she gets a flash, a construction site, half-finished buildings. She, she sees faces of people she knows, but she can't actually think of the faces. She can't picture them. She knows she knows those people, but she, she's frustrated, uh, because she doesn't know who they are. Uh, she can't picture them. So she tells herself to get a grip. She calms down. At least she knows her own name. At least she knows that there are aliens involved. At least she knows that she has powers that she can use. Um, but it's not exactly reassuring because she could easily have been died. She have been died. Sorry. She could easily have been killed. Uh, and. The only reason she wasn't was because the bleak was pulled away by Axe. So she figures she needs to get back to civilization, because the answers are not here in the forest. Um, and so she sort of, like... It's, it's weird, because, like, she knows the bear would know which way to go. So she, like, stands still and just kind of thinks for a bit. And focuses on the area around her and realizes she needs to follow the stream to get back. So I don't know if she's, like, tapping into the bear's instincts while not in bear morph, or just using the experience she's had as a bear to do that. <laughs> um, but uh, that's, like, the first time we've seen anyone do anything like that, and I think it's going to be the last. <laughs> well, it's it's also just, like, following running water is a good way to find civilization when you are in the woods. So Yeah, but I don't think she has a way of knowing that. Um, you are right. So, chapter 21, our last chapter, is narrated by Marco, and I've called it Know Thy Enemy. Because at this point, they're all gathered in Cassie's barn, minus Axe and Rachel, of course. And they're trying to put together the information they've gained. Tobias is angry. Um, 
because he's being grilled and he didn't see Rachel or Axe. Um, Jake calms him down, says no one's blaming him. Um, they were, they, they mentioned that, like, Axe was supposed to hook up, At Marco mentions that Axe was supposed to hook up with them in the forest, but never did. Um, so something pulled him away. Uh, they don't know what happened to him. I will say, like, as much as this book has taken away from character study, they are far better at information gathering in this book than they normally are. Like, yeah, yeah. It's true. It's true. <laughs> They're actually, like, putting two and two together and, and getting four. Um, Effective communication, like, detective yep. work. They're, this is actual, real, good Korea stuff that they're doing today, and mm-hmm. all they have to do is not be characters anymore. <laughs> yep. So... Yeah, unfortunately that's kind of been the issue with Megamorphs, is that none of them actually really get time to be people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I think it, it's in character for Tobias to know how to track, because... Yeah. He's a bird, yeah. Like he's 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 the ranger. Um was, like that that axe chapter though, he very much that was we didn't touch on it a lot, but so much of his internal monologue was about how afraid he was and how he felt that he needed to fight Visor Three but he couldn't do it, and that was probably the most characterful chapter <laughs> yeah. in this book so far. Which which yeah. I think was partially because like obviously we haven't had Axe as a point of view character yet, so it's like you kind of had to, like, introduce some stuff there, because, again, we've never been inside his head. Mm-hmm. Um, so, make so... me more curious about the next book, which I know is narrated by Axe, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Dead get there. Uh, but it's very, it's very, very, very good. I, I love the next book. I'm really excited for it. <laughs> um, so, they also now know that the creature is called a Valique, or at least that's the name the Yorks have given it. Um... But there's a question they have, which is, it, it's had so many opportunities to kill them, you know? Like, it could have killed Rachel, it could have killed uh, Marco and Axe very easily. Marco and so the Jake. question is... You said Marco and Axe. Or, or Jay, yeah. or... Sorry, I'm... Uh, no, it could have killed Marco and Axe. I mean, like, in oh, the, right, right, in the right. basement. Oh, right, right, right. I forgot about that, yeah. yeah. I thought you meant, like, when they were um, chased, being chased as wolves. <laughs> Well, that too. Too. <laughs> um, so it, 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 could, it could have killed basically all of them. It had opportunity to do that, but it didn't. So the question is why? And Cassie asks this question. Uh, and then Marco just kind of like yells in frustration and then because he's a dick sometimes says, ask Tobias, he's the predator here, he should know. But Marco's not offended. Sorry, no, uh, I, Tobias isn't offended. What's that? The difference of, like, 90s to 2020s, you can't just call someone the predator. <laughs> or a predator, <laughs> without it, uh, having connotations. Well, it, I think in in the case of Tobias, who, like, literally eats rats to live... I mean, yes, um, he, he, it, is, it's, it's he is using it in a much different terminology. We're, talk, but... we're talking about it in the, yeah. in the sense that Tobias is literally a, a carnivorous animal. Um, Besides the child predator thing, that was way more prevalent in the 90s. That was the whole Stranger yeah. Danger campaign. Yeah, like, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and the, the whole, like, uh, painting LGBT people as predators started, like, way before that, too. Yeah. I'm talking about, like... Well, sure, I'm just talking about specific yeah. use of that word. True. Yeah, yeah. 
Hey, also remember how like the D.A.R.E. program only like pushed more kids to actually trying drugs rather than stopping them from trying drugs? <laughs> well, sure, Dare that was weird. guy was a yeah. big narc and a cop. Why would you mm -hmm. listen to anything he said? <laughs> exactly. Um, so... Tobias isn't offended, though, because he immediately knows the answer. He says movement. Because when Tobias hunts, the hawk brain is interested in whatever moves. Moving things are easier to see. If one mouse moves and then stops, and then another mouse starts moving, the hawk brain tends to think that it's the same mouse, and is really only in interested in the movement. So they realize that every time the, the leak switched targets, it was because someone was morphing. So they're able to put this, they're able to put this together. Uh, and now they essentially know what they need to know about the Valique to do something. They know how it works. They know what the rules are here. And now they need to know what to do. So, um, Marco says almost a callback to the beginning of the, the series when he didn't want to do any of this shit. We're safe as long as we never morph again. So everyone looks to him, and then um, J J Jake asks him if that's what he thinks they should do. And he says, listen, Rachel's not here, so, quote, on her behalf, I'll say what she would say. What we need to do is find a way to kick this Valique's butt. <laughs> Cassie smiled, and what would, the real Mar what would the real Marco say to that? And then Marco responds... He'd probably make some stupid and very funny remark, and then he would start thinking about how to do just that. So, I I like Marco. Marco's great. <laughs> yeah, again, like I, I always think back to like when we first started the series, where like for the first few books, I was like, "Wow, Marco is such a dickhead and so annoying." Mm -hmm. I don't think Mar anyone else has gotten anywhere near this much of a glow up. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, I, I, I got this. This is why I love. This, like, this is why Marco is one of my favorite ones because he changes a lot over the course of the first several books. He's also like very blatantly and and self, like he he will admit that he is terrified. He doesn't want to be doing this stuff, but he's gonna do it anyway because he has to. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, like, none of the other kids have really had that much growth. Like, obviously we got, like, a good amount of, like, Tobias with him, like, having to, like, kind of embrace both the boy and the bird in him and everything. Yeah. But, like, Jake's not really had that, Cassie's not really had that, Rachel's kind of just embraced more of the anger, <laughs> I guess. The, the relationship between Marco and Rachel's also very good, and a testament to that is the fact that it still exists here, even when Rachel is not there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because Marco knows exactly what Rachel would say, and then Marco also knows exactly how he would respond to what Rachel yeah, would say. <laughs> it, I, I think that the thing that really sticks out a lot is the fact that, like, I mean, just two books ago, Jake got yerked, and he's not had any PTSD about that, really. And it's like, I yeah. feel like you should definitely... Like, I mean, like, they kind of addressed that a little bit in the previous book of, like, oh, we, let, we intentionally let Jake have, like, a day off because that happened, like, a week ago kind of deal of like yeah you know hang out you don't have to worry about this stuff but it's like it's, we need to be back inside his head and like the next time he's the narrator he has to be like having like bad dreams about that and not be in the best state of mind i think well i mean i touched on that at the end of book six but like 
Jake doesn't appreciably change after that experience, from what I remember. Yeah, and that was one of my biggest frustrations with Book 6, is that he just like, goes back to being himself. If you've spent three days or something else inside your head controlling your every action, that would kind of mess with you for a long time. I think, I think it does. They'll mention it later, occasionally. It doesn't really affect him as much as I think it should. It, yeah, um, it, really, it, it really should be like much more it, of a It defines... Change. It defines a lot of his motivation going forward, but we already had a motivation for Jake, which was Tom. Yeah. Like, just because so, the jerk that used to be in Tom's head was inside his for three days, it's like, that that doesn't really, like, do much to really change his characterization. It's like, he still has the same motivation of, fuck up the Yurks to save my brother. <laughs> but now it's also like, fuck up the Yurks to save everyone from going through that horrible thing that I now have experienced firsthand. Yeah. Like that's 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 an addition to that. I I, th- I think that's important. I think that like sets Jake's motivation in a bit more of a like uh, selfless stance. In that now he knows what being a controller is like and would like to prevent it for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but in addition to that, it's it it doesn't affect him as much as I think it. Maybe should I? I mean, there's a lot of pressure on Jake, uh, which I think is is really more defining his character in the future. Yeah. Um, in that he is, he didn't ask to be the leader, but people kind of just decided he was, mm-hmm. and that meant he had to make decisions that were, you know, that that no one his age should be should be required to make, and for that reason, he ends up seeming a whole lot more adult than he should be. And that takes a toll on him. There's a price for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's it's I guess I'm thinking along the lines of like I guess when I think back to like the nineties ish era of media, like nobody really did a lot of like stories about like, you know, PTSD and the like compared to well, this, these days. This series is very much <laughs> To the um, plucky young teenagers mm-hmm. fighting an alien invasion genre, yeah. um, which you can also see in like Power Rangers and whatnot, mm-hmm. as like Madoka Magica is to Magical Girls, or as Evangelion is to Mecha, it's it's definitely like a deconstruction. Oh, what would happen if we actually had like actual children doing this kind of thing? Right. Um, and and it does that very well. Oh yeah, and yeah, it it. It's one reason I really like these these books. Um, we don't get a whole lot of that in this particular book, though. I, I absolutely agree with you in these points. It's just my concern here more is that while, yes, absolutely, this series is about trauma and pressure refining people, this specific trauma doesn't really seem to affect Jake in the future. And mostly the reason I say that is because he doesn't, change at all the way he acts or thinks or even describes like the next jake book we open with he's basically not gonna mention this at all (laughs) yeah admittedly he's busy but he's also just it's it's so far from a thing it doesn't (laughs) like you would think and i'm not disagreeing with you on that Uh, what i'm saying is that jake's character ends up defined more by the responsibilities that he has than this experience yeah yeah yeah. like i I would expect it would like if 
like at minimum i would have wanted it to be like you know he should have like a few chapters of being like this is taking a toll on me i don't want to do this i have to do this even if it sucks and it's not a great time obviously like I guess oh it's... well if that's what you're into just wait a few dozen more books <laughs> yeah a few dozen more books <laughs> jake is strong but he does have a breaking point <laughs> <laughs> okay, but it's like I I guess I'm like I don't know, I guess I want it to be like more gradual over time as opposed to like oh yeah, and like book thirty eight is when Jake was finally like fuck things, it's all bad, it's been bad for ages now. It's like why yeah, have you not been thinking yeah. this this whole time and like slowly Where? getting whittled down? <laughs> you gotta you gotta wait for further Jake books. Yeah. If they're going to if they're going to put that on Jake and, like, have uh, an examination of how this is actually affecting Jake, it's gonna have to be in a Jake book. Like, mm-hmm. There's yeah. there's no other place you can really like, do you really that. don't have, like we discussed earlier, you really don't have time for that in Mega Morse because it's just, here's the giant monster to fight, no time for character you, growth. <laughs> you don't have time for that in Megamorphs. You... You definitely don't have time for that in the next Jake book. <laughs> Yeah, we don't have time for that in the next Jake book. You don't have time for that in other characters' books either, because then we're too busy with their own yeah. character. You know what I mean? When is, when so, is the next Jake book? Uh, number 11, I believe. Wow, he gets a yeah. lot of books. <laughs> um, well, it's again, it's it's everyone gets the same amount of books except for Axe, who gets half as many as everyone else, because he's only in every other cycle. Rip. Um, but otherwise, it, it proceeds regularly. Uh what is what is eleven again? That's uh, eleven is the forgotten. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's Jake and Tiger again. I remember what that is. That is not a tiger. Oh no, it's not. Oh oh yeah, it's the it's the the yeah, the, it's that it's not one. A uh-huh. It's a oh, jaguar. Right, yep. I, I, it's that one. I forgot that, that one. I forgot the first book is him with his lizard, not the tiger. <laughs> no, next time next time isn't isn't um. Isn't let's explore the effects of Jake's trauma. Next time is let's heap more trauma on Jake. Correct. That's a cheetah, not a, not a tiger. <laughs> it is not a. It's not a cheetah. It's either. a jaguar. Yes. It's it's oh, a jaguar. It's, a, it's an orange predatory cat. <laughs> they live in distinctly different biomes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely uh, not the same. They have spots. That's it. Okay, and marine biology. What? Hey, at least I got my, I got myself when I said the wait, wait, no, no, fuck, that's not it. <laughs> I'm not a biologist. That's yes, what I meant. <laughs> clearly, famously aquatic animals, <laughs> cheetahs and jaguars. Jaguars can't actually swim. Cheetahs cannot. <laughs> that I know of. They're certainly not known for it. <sighs> Jeez. Um. <laughs> oh, I'm okay with uh, I'm okay with us making the title be uh, at my expense if we want. <laughs> okay. I think it's what's gonna happen. Um <laughs> Yeah. No, che- cheetahs. Cheetahs are like jaguars, except that cheetahs are 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 not good at being cheetahs, and jaguars are very good at what they do. Cheetahs are very good at being cheetahs because they're the most domestic big cats, and so you can have one as a pet if you live in a particularly per- permissive state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's true, but also there's a reason that cheetahs cheetahs have a hard life. They have trouble with things. Yeah, let's just, yeah. Let's just say that. Well, that's why they, it's good to have a golden retriever with your pet cheetah. 
They just kind of leave their babies in a field and have very little ability to protect them, so they just kind of have to rely on hiding. They're not great at hunting. Uh, they don't really have claws that work for that either, because their claws are adapted for running. That's why Tirzu ranked them at like F tier. The the yep. Tina needs a lot of buffs. <laughs> Meanwhile, jaguars are um absolute murder machines where they live. They're they're top of the heap. Uh, but yeah, that's not what we're talking about right now. We're talking about this book and wrapping it up. So, what do you think about how this is going? I we got two more uh two more episodes of this, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, if we stick to twelve chapters, then we have two more episodes of this. Okay. I for one uh am enjoying it more than I thought I would, but I'm still kind of looking forward to finishing. Yeah, it. it's that's like, fair. It's, yeah, I'm excited to get back to like the normal like book narrated by one kid because there again there's so much more character growth and personal personality there compared to this yeah like the 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 constant jumping around between like oh and now we jump to this character five minutes in the past to be like and this stuff happened and i repeat the same stuff you just saw it like it's it gets a little annoying honestly it's a little <laughs> bit less focused yeah uh to be sure yeah, I kind of I... wonder about the genesis of these Megamorphs books, because, like, Applegate is a very good author, as I think we've established by this point, and this doesn't really mm-hmm. feel like... She's definitely doing better with this than would be expected from the premise, but also... <laughs> In the time of the dinosaurs, I also remember being a lot better than this. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of this is just her getting used to this split viewpoint, because I don't think she's done anything like this before. So my curiosity is whether this was her idea or if this was like put down by editorial that you need to do a big special. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, we'll get some all other big specials later. Some of which are some of the best books in the series. Yeah. The Chronicles books are all good, and all of them, like I'm looking forward to getting to. Mm-hmm. Extraordinarily, I mean, like, just the the level the level of world building we get from the chronicles books like the 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 level of understanding we get of the history of this and i'm including viscer in this even though viscer Mm -hmm. isn't like technically chronicles yeah it it still counts in my opinion um like it's just so good it is it's just so good and the characters are great the plots are great uh chronicles books are the best books in the series it's too bad that we'll have to wait so long to get to them there's and this might sound weird because like the Chronicles are fantastic, obviously. They are probably the best books in the series. But when I think about the Animorphs, there's one specific scene that always comes into mind, and it is that scene from uh, Megamorphs 3. So the fact that that's in a Megamorphs of all things is like... <sighs> I don't know if I've read Megamorphs 3. Oh, that's... it's very good. Elfangor's Secret. Okay, so maybe she's just like getting her her, her the hang of how she's going to write these Megamorphs books in this one. It's definitely a little bit like, this is the only Megamorphs book that, the one we're reading right now is the only one that's basically a kaiju movie. The rest of them are a little more, they have to be standalone, right? But they're not, this is the weird monster of the week. They're a very weird specific thing that is happening that they have to deal with, you know? (laughs) Oh, no, I think I have read Megamorphs 3. It was a long time ago, though. Um, yeah, no, it's a great one. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I wish I could I'm say like, more about the, it because it's the 
the plot synopsis, it already involves several several things that also appear in certain Chronicles books. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> which, you know, sits, like brings it into like the, the broader plot in a way that this one really isn't connected to. I feel like as I continued to read these books without reading the first Megamorphs, I didn't really miss anything. Yeah. And that's, I guess, my real issue with this book is that it's like, yeah, they fight a monster. And... I don't know. We'll we'll talk about that more. I think when we finish it. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So, does anyone else have anything, anything to say I, before we go ahead and wrap I'm this up? I'm starting to think this might have been that one book that I picked up and was confused about. Like when when I mentioned like how I thought it was a Tobias book, mm. I think it might have been this one. Interesting. Yeah, I think that might have been like that. I mean that that I think is like uh, the reasoning why I think is just because it's like. It's such a weirder book than the other one so far because it is just like it's monster time <laughs> compared to like. We'll wait for the next Tobias book yeah. and see if that's the one. Um, I will say I really, really love the next Tobias book. It's <laughs> yeah, the next Tobias book is so good. Yeah, it's real good. I, I I read ahead and I forgot how good it was. It could mostly just be because like this book in particular is like the weirdest one of them so far because it's not focus more on like one character since it's just mm-hmm. jumping around and it's like why is there like a weird like dust monster thing <laughs> like maybe that's what i'm thinking <laughs> of and not like oh this kid's stuck as a bird okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's weird to say but like you can probably point to any random given animorphs book and there's like a 95 percent chance that my reaction would be oh that one is so good <laughs> It's just yeah. stuff like the second one that's like, oh, well, I mean, that's okay, but... Well, you could point to any random Animorphs book, and I'd say that's... I'd probably say that's pretty good. Uh, or I'd say that's oh, goddamn hilarious, and I love it for different reasons mm-hmm, than it mm-hmm, being mm-hmm. good. Like anything involving the Helmicrons. <laughs> <laughs> All of the Helmicron books are stupid throwaways, and I love them so much. <laughs> the next Rachel book, though. Uh... <laughs> Oh, shit, what's that one? That's uh, alligator. Oh yeah, that one's weird. <laughs> I, I'm looking for it again. This is another one of those. Like, this is a bunch of stupid bullshit, but I love it because it's <laughs> stupid bullshit. Yep. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm over here uh, being like, I don't know what any of y'all are talking about. <laughs> you will. You will. I you will, will. In like uh, a year. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. Yeah. You. You. You'll agree with us, I think. It's still, like, such a weird issue where I'm like, I don't want to look ahead to stuff, but also every time you're like, oh, this is so good, don't worry about it, you'll you'll know it in, like, three years, and it's like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Uh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay, yeah. We can try to tone it down if you want. No, it's fine. It's just funny because it keeps happening of, like, every week I'm like, yep. I I'll guess I'll find out what that is when I'm, like, 38 or 39, I guess. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but why would you think about time like that? Be- because time is horrifying, and I'm old. <laughs> but just Death is something that happens to us every day. It's just one day it happens more than usual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Alright, so I think if we don't have anything else to say we can go ahead and wrap up and get back to this next week. Yeah, I'd say that's pretty effective. Um, The only thing that I have to say at this point, beyond our like closing wrap-up, of course, by this point, you'll 
listeners will be hearing this in way in the future, but, you know, uh, as of this recording, strikes are still ongoing, so we're not talking about the show anymore. That's against the rules. Other than that... (laughs) (laughs) If the show's already been made... It doesn't matter. It's still struck work. (laughs) I don't know the rules about that. Yeah, we... we, I think... I think... I think I've complicated. It is complicated, but we've checked in on this because of our other show. So, yeah. Yeah. Even if it's already been made in the past, if it's still under a struck contract, it's still no good. Okay. But, yeah. So, with that in mind, I think there's not much left to say. But remember, Ciro did nothing wrong. Ciro did nothing wrong. Well, at least I now know that Ciro isn't the dust monster. So, currently, I can maybe say Ciro, at this point in time, at least, hasn't done anything wrong. And that's as good as we're going to get for a while. (laughs) 